of the book of Job. Job chapter 42. It is extremely hard to be at the top of the mountain in terms of blessings. To then be returned to the bottom in the valley where many of those blessings have been taken away suddenly and almost without explanation or reason. We can see this sometimes in the world, can't we? If you turn on the news, you might see people talking about celebrities or perhaps people who are famous and once had all this influence, money, power, fame. But then people almost wonder, well, where did this person disappeared to. One day, lots of influence, everyone coming to them for help. And the next minute, they are a nobody. They lose it all. Their home could be gone. All the things that made them popular and famous, gone. And it can leave a person who was at the top of that mountain in terms of blessings and good things brought down to the bottom, left in a very hopeless and dangerous place of depression to go from the top to the bottom very quickly can really test us at our very core. Now, if you don't know what the top of the mountain is like, it's not as difficult, is it? It's, it's a lot easier to deal with having nothing, nothing if you're used to having Less probably than others. But Job. Think about what Job had. Job had much in terms of cattle and wealth. And many other things. It says in verse 2 of Job chapter 1. And seven sons and three daughters were born to him. A great family. In verse 3. And his possessions were 7,000 sheep. And it talks about camels. And yoke. And female donkeys. Thousands of them. Uh, Wealth. Uh, that was great and powerful. There's parts of the world where they don't save money. Uh, Their retirement plan is to have a cow or something like that. So to have animals was a great wealth at that time. Job had great possessions. He was at the top of that mountain. But very, very quickly, it was taken away from him. His children, gone. Possessions, gone and in Job chapter 2 he loses his health he's in agony not just emotionally but also physically and we read earlier the position he was in at the beginning he doesn't sin and charge God foolishly at all but then after seven days he's Friends, you could call them so-called friends, come along to, to mourn with him, to comfort him. Uh, but eventually, we have what comes across in the book of Job. He wants it all to end. And we have to think about this, friends. Job was a godly person and fell into this way. But... Is this the end of the story? Wonderfully, it is not the end of the story. Wonderfully, praise God, in this chapter we're going to look at now, there's restoration. 
better than what he had before. We may be here this morning, and as we read through Job 42, we, in our own experiences, may have lost much. We may have been at the top of our own mountain, as it were. But you may be in the valley today wondering, what does the future hold? The best days for the Christian are yet to come. They are yet to come, and they are glorious days, as we will see as we read through this chapter now. Job chapter 42, let us hear God's holy and infallible word. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. You asked, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I do not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Listen. Please, and let me speak. You said, I will question you, and you shall answer me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. And so it was, after the Lord had spoken these words to Job, that the Lord said to Eliphaz, the Temanite, my wrath is aroused against you and your friends. For you have not spoken to me what is right, as my servant Job has. Now, therefore, take for yourselves seven bulls and seven rams. Go to my servant Job and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering. And my servant Job shall pray for you, for I will accept him lest I deal with you according to your folly, because you have not spoken to me of what is right, as my servant Job has. So, Eliphaz the Temanite and Bildad the Shuhite and Zophar the Namathite went and did as the Lord commanded them, for the Lord had accepted Job. And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then all his brothers, all his sisters, and all those who had been his acquaintances before came to him and ate food with him in his house, and they consoled him and comforted him for all the adversity that the Lord had brought upon him. Each one gave him a piece of silver and each a ring of gold. Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. For he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. He also had seven sons and three daughters. And he called the name of the first Jemima, and the name of the second Keziah, and the name of the third Karen Hapuk. In all the land were found no women so beautiful as the daughters of Job, and their father gave them an inheritance among their brothers. After this, Job lived 140 years and saw his children and grandchildren for four generations. So Job died old and full of days. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word. 
The book of Job, in, in many ways, is a book of tragedy. A book of tragedy. And no doubt when we were reading through Job chapter 3 earlier of how Job was expressing his emotion, it was hard to hear, isn't it? I know from my own experience, it's even hard to read. But it is also a book filled with wisdom. Filled with wisdom. Filled with challenging topics that push us to think about what God has done in people's lives. Pushing them to think about what do we know about God? And indeed, also what we don't know about how he acts in providence. It is a book that speaks of loss and pain and does not speak to us all. Every single one of us have experienced loss and pain. We all have lost things in this world. We've lost friends and family to the enemy, death. We have lost opportunities with loved ones over the last two years, haven't we? We have lost possessions, perhaps, over the last two years through uh, economic hardship and difficulty that has arisen. We have lost many things. No doubt we have come to the top of our own mountains of blessings. But it can all come away so quickly. And we can be returned to the valley down below. Not just physically, financially or anything else. But emotionally drained. Now what is easy to do in this situation? You're in this situation. You're, you're almost on empty in every sense of the word. And you do not understand the why. Of course, we have a general understanding of the why. We live in a fallen world. But why am I going through this time of, in the wilderness? Why am I going through this horrible time that seems not to end? Perhaps uh, there's a death of a loved one. Perhaps something else bad happens after it. And it just seems to be like dominoes, one after another. That's what Job was going through here. We can struggle with the why of this particular struggle. Why me, O oh Lord? Why has this been taken away from me? And it can lead to a frustration with our God in heaven. And we can think, oh God, I deserve better. But as we think like that, let us think also, what about Christ? The, sp- the sinless spotless lamb of God he suffered in this world we can become bitter toward God Job was a godly man and he did slip into throughout the book of Job thinking I have been treated unfairly if I could just if I could just plead my own case today this might look like this I go to church I do many things. So God, you should not do this to me. And this is the kind of thinking that Job fell into that he was rebuked for here. That many religious people can fall into. Believers and unbelievers. God owes me better. I deserve better than this. And if Job, a godly man, who the scriptures remembers, by the way, and speaks very positively about, If a godly man like Job can fall into this kind of thinking, how much more can we? We're all in danger, myself included, of falling into such thinking. Our title for this morning's message is God's Wisdom 
blesses. God's wisdom blesses. Our first point as we look at Job 42 is this. Feeble complaints. Feeble complaints. Job, at the beginning of this chapter, sees the error of his ways. So often, if you read through the book of Job, it's, it's somewhat easy to see the error of Job's so-called friends. We have Eliphaz and the other two so-called friends, you could say. Um, it's, it's often hard to say friends because of the way they attempted to comfort him. But verses 1 to 6, this is what Job said. Verse 2 onwards. I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. You asked, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? And this goes back to Job uh, 38. Who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered what I do not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. And Job sees, I have been speaking about things I don't understand. There's times when things happen in our life. And we can say, why did this happen? We can honestly say at times, I don't know. But we can also say this at the same time, God knows. And all things work together for good. To them that are called by God and called according to his purpose. We can say things like that because we know because it's been told us in scripture. He spoke about things that he did not understand and he repented. Verses 5 and 6. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear and now my eyes, my eyes sees you. Therefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Dust and ashes were kind of an outward expression at the time of shame. Shame. He felt shame. But in his grief, let's look at Job's error a little bit here. He is surrounded by false accusations. Up until Job chapter 31, he's got three people around him basically saying to you, ah, here's why this is happening. You're struggling with this, but Job, this is why this is happening. So he is surrounded by false accusations. He feels he needs to defend himself. This is Job's error from Job chapter 3 onwards. He thinks that he needs to justify himself. And he ends up defending himself rather than God. Job was godly. But he did not mean that he could not fall into this error. We have to realize this. No matter what we go through. No matter how hard it is. Whether it is joy or suffering. God's righteous dealings are that. They are righteous in everything God does. And we may not understand the reasons. We may not be able to tell our unbelieving friends in certain situations why certain things happen at certain times. But God has righteous, good, and holy reasons for this happening. But it doesn't mean, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, it doesn't mean, as Job thought, God has become my enemy. He said this in Job 13 verse 24. We may feel like it is happening to us. But if we're trusting in Jesus Christ, no, no. God is our friend. God is at peace with us through faith in Jesus Christ. This can be one of the hardest parts 
of the Christian life, what I'm just talking about here. When suffering comes, realizing that God is in control, not saying in our heart, in our mind, in our words, this is unfair. Why did this happen to me and my neighbor next to me, who's an unbeliever living horribly, look at all they have. Especially if there's no comfort around us to help us at that time. There was no comfort for Job. And in a lot of ways you can sympathize with Job, can't we? If you had friends like Eliphaz and Bildad and Zophar, what would we have done? I, I dare say I would have struggled as well in such a situation. He was in great pain, not just emotionally, but also physically. We also have to remind ourselves the physical pain. In Job chapter 2, verses 7 to 8, sometimes we can deal with a lot of things, but physical pain can be extremely hard to deal with. And verses 7 and 8 of Job chapter 2. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with painful boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took for himself a potsherd with which to scrape himself while he sat in the midst of, of the ashes. I've never gone through anything like that. It sounds horrible. It sounds agonizing. And when we're in extreme pain, have you ever had like the worst Headache ever. I know I've had really bad headaches sometimes. And you're just grumpy. But think about this. They've been pushed to that limit. And it's so hard that even his wife looks at him and says, curse God and die. She couldn't bear to look at him either anymore. Job suffers greatly. Now at the beginning, Job does not sin. He doesn't charge God foolishly. But later on, he starts to try to defend himself before these three companions of his, who are saying to him, your suffering is because of your sin. It's not true. But should he have responded? Job knows rightly that his suffering comes from the hand of God. Anything comes into our life, whether good or bad, it's because God has allowed it and ordained it that way. And Job, unfortunately, comes into complaining. But God has good, righteous, and holy reasons. Job is rebuked in uh, Job chapter 38, verses 1 and 2. Job 38, verses 1 and 2. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? This is speaking to Job. Even though Job is accepted by God later, he has fallen into this great temptation. And when we are in physical pain, when we are in emotional pain, that is when we are most likely to complain before God. We may not even realize that's what we're doing, but that is when it is most tempting to do so. And we must remind ourselves That there's a good, righteous, and holy reason. We don't understand it all, but it is there. God works all things according to the counsel of his will. We must be careful not to speak about things we don't understand. And if God's hand is heavy upon you here this morning, and you might be going through much suffering, we must think about And we must go before God for the healing and the help 
that is needed. We must not become bitter toward God and become even bitter toward his people. Because if we become bitter towards his people, this is what happens. In 1 John 4 verse, 12, uh, verse 20 it says, If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he does not love his brother whom he has seen. How can he love God whom he has not seen? Bad things in our life can, can mean judgment. It can, but it's not always. As Job sees, Job is seen as righteous before God. But he goes through some of the worst experiences. Whatever the case, when we do go through suffering, even though it is not easy, we must not do what Job did. And go to feeble complaints. Number one, feeble complaints. Number two, now foolish counselors. Number two, foolish counselors. There's not just rebuke, of course, for Job. And there's much more greater condemnation for the attempted comfort of Eliphaz and his friends. It says here in verse 7 of our text in Job 42. And so it was after the Lord had spoken these words to Job. That the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, my wrath is aroused against you and your two friends. For you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. Now, I don't know if you've ever, when you read through the book of Job. And the book of Job can be quite confusing, can't it? You might be going, well, this person says this and... Okay, who is right here? It it can be very confusing up until the very end. The last few chapters can tell us and explain to us who is right in all this back and forth that is taking place. Elihu, who speaks also before God speaks in Job 32 to 36, he's not condemned at all. I, I don't know if you noticed this, but Elihu is not condemned by God in this exchange. And so what Elihu is saying about Job is very similar to what God says about Job. But these three are condemned. The wrath of God is upon these three. And they talked, didn't they? Oh boy, did they talk. They came along, we saw, we read earlier in Job chapter 2, to comfort and to mourn with him. And they they saw him and they didn't recognize him. And they knew, or at least they thought they knew, why Job was suffering. Oh, they knew. At least they thought they did. Isn't our world full of these types of people? Many of them, religious, saved, some of them saved, some of them not saved. But like Eliphaz and his friends, they're so confident in their views. A lot of what they say is somewhat true. If you'd actually, if you go through what they're saying to Job, a lot of it is true. But the problem is this. They foolishly apply it to Job, a man known for being righteous. A lot of what they said was true, actually. They were, you could say, know-it-alls. They had all the answers. No restraint, as it were, in this. And they really provoked Job to going where he went. 
There I was thinking evil against a man known for following God. That was his reputation. Now it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verses 4 to 7. What does it say about love? It says love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, and this thinks no evil. Or basically makes an account of all the evil that they've done. Uh, Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. If we are trying to, in our Christian walk, trying to play gotcha with our fellow believers in Jesus Christ, like Eliphaz and his friends did. Ah, we know where this is happening to you. Ah, I knew it about that person. Ah, you see, that's happening because he did this. And we can all think like this at times. If we think that everything bad happens to a person we may not get along with, we can just follow the same way like Eliphaz, like Bildad, and like Zophar here. We cannot know, friends. We cannot know unless God directly tells us. We need to think the best of others. Thinks no evil is basically, put it another way, you think the best possible. You think the best possible that scripture will allow. I don't mean naivety. I mean thinking the best possible of a fellow believer, even if they're not a believer. We should allow the best possible thinking that scripture will allow. We should not invent evil motives for our neighbors, thinking the best possible. And these three, they quote scripture. They seem to know a lot about the Bible. If you didn't know anything about these three, you'd think, well, they know their Bibles, don't they? They're very confident in their views. But they were wrong. Horribly, horribly wrong. They did much damage. And there was much wrath against them. But if this is something, friends, that you've fallen into, go to God for forgiveness. And he will readily forgive you. God is the one, or go to the one, sorry, accused Himself by foolish counselors. There's foolish counselors here. There's three of them in this book. And Jesus was surrounded by mockers. All around him. If you're the king, come down from the cross. Full of accusations. But we are to go to him. Who has suffered far more than Job. And who will forgive us all of our sins. Through his blood. Doesn't it show us, when we see friends like this in the book of Job, how important good friends are? If you have a good friend or good friends, treasure that person or persons. Treasure them all. You're going to need them one day. And they're going to need you one day. We need each other. We need each other. In... Our third point now, we're going to look at fatherly compassion. Fatherly compassion. Job is wonderfully restored. But as you notice, you've probably seen this after he repents. Also after he prays. 
before his enemies. In verses 8 to 10 of our text, it says, Now therefore take for yourselves seven bulls and seven rams. This is God speaking to these three, uh, Eliphaz and others. Go to my servant Job and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering, and my servant Job shall pray for you, for I will accept him. Lest I deal with you according to your folly, because you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz the Temanite, and Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite, went and did as the Lord commanded them, for the Lord had accepted Job. And the Lord restored Job's losses. When? When he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. It's very interesting, isn't it? When did he restore? Verse 6, he repents. And here, he prays for his friends. There's an attitude change. The Lord could have done this at any stage. But he does all things. He brings things into our lives to teach us. And sometimes if we're going through a difficult time, good question to ask ourselves is this. Oh Lord, what are you trying to teach me here? What are you trying to teach me here in this difficult and trying uh, situation? Job prayed for his friends. But you know who also prayed for his friends? The Lord Jesus Christ. It says in John 17 verse 9, I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me. For they are yours. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, that prayer was for you. All who Jesus prayed for in this prayer in John 17 would come to faith. Job, who is here a type of the one who would come later, isn't he? Uh, Jesus Christ suffered far more than Job. He suffered far more than any of us have. He left behind the great blessings of, greater blessings than Job lost. If you think about it, he was in the presence of his father in heaven. The glories of heaven and leaves that behind and he comes into the sin-cursed world. He leaves behind willingly, freely of his own will the blessings of heaven to come into this world and to take upon himself the form of a servant. And he never sinned in thought, in word, and in deed. Even though there was great temptation, great suffering. We think of him being tempted by the devil. We, we think of him with great hunger and suffering and being tempted with the things that rightly belong to him. Jesus kept God's law. And he paid, not for his own sins, but for the sins of others. The righteous, spotless, sinless Lamb of God. And because Jesus is the one whom God the Father delights in, we can come to him. And there's a picture here of this, isn't there? They go to Job because he's accepted Job. Job is spoken about very, very positively. There's references to Job, there's reference to Job in the book of Ezekiel. And Job is spoken about very, very positively. But Job is really a type of one better than Job. The Lord Jesus Christ. 
It says in Mark 1.11, Then a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. God the Father delights in his Son, Jesus Christ, interceding and praying for those in him. He rose. He was, he was received up in, into heaven. Mark 16, verse 19. So then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God, where he is today, friends. He's there today, having completed his suffering and had all and returned to glory. In Hebrews 7.25, therefore he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he is, always lives to make intercession for them. So they, these three, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, were told to go to Job. Job is accepted before God. Job prays for these three. And in Job, what was lost was restored. What is lost through our sin, through Adam's sin, is restored. And one greater than Job, the Lord Jesus Christ. The way is open to fatherly compassion, isn't there? There's a picture here of the compassion of the father. And there's one far greater than Job. And the question is here this morning, do you know him? Uh, Do you know him? Do not leave Friends, without turning to him. Because what will happen if you leave here without knowing him? If you don't know him? It says in verse 8, what will happen to them if they do not deal with their own sin? It says verse 8, go to my servant Job and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering. And my, my servant Job will pray for you. For I will accept him. Well, unless or lest I deal with you according to your folly. Lest I deal with you according to your folly. That's, that's a scary thing. And we do not want to be dealt with according to our own folly, do we? Our own lack of wisdom. And unless we go to Jesus Christ, we won't have compassion. Unless we go to him, we will not have mercy. We will only have wrath according to our own folly. And if you know him here this morning, bring these sacrifices Bring the sacrifices of praise, which in the New Testament are these. The praise of our lips. Our final point is future comfort. Future comfort. So we've looked at feeble complaints, foolish counselors, fatherly compassion. And finally, number four, future comfort. This life is not all misery, is it? We may act like it is or we may think it is but for the believer and the unbeliever alike this is not all misery God is so merciful to us even the unbeliever God shows them a type of love rain and sunshine the food that is on their table he shows them uh, tokens of his love though they may reject it he gives us all in this earth far more than we deserve. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. Through the Lord's mercy we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. There is no doubt great comfort. Here for Job. Finally comfort comes. It comes after this ordeal. 
But it comes, this comfort comes after Job sees. After Job sees who God is more perfectly. Now the comfort comes. The comfort here described in our text, and it is wonderful comfort, is nothing compared to the comfort to come in our futures. Nothing compared to the comfort that Job is experiencing today with his Lord and his Savior, Jesus Christ. There in heaven, there's companionship. There's fellowship. There is sweet communion, one with another. There's no financial pressures. There's comfort and restoration. And far more than we've ever lost. Job here receives twice as much as he had before. He gets far more in the end. He goes through heartache. But the blessings of the future. Now the Lord can give us great contentment without these things. Great comfort and great joy. But we have to look back. Remember Job 3.3. What did Job say? May the day perish in which I was born. And the night in which it was said. A male child is conceived. He's like I want it all to end. I'm at such a low place. Is that the end? And you may be here this morning thinking that way too. This can happen to believers. But is this the end? How can you know that? Job had another 140 years upon the earth. And he probably thought with his health, how is that even possible? But nothing is impossible with God. The end is better than the beginning. Verse 12. Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. And look at the numbers of sheep. We'll just look at some of the numbers. 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels. And we know that earthly possessions aren't all that there is. But if you have possessions of animals and other things, praise God for these things. These are blessings. Children are great and wonderful blessings from the Lord. But the future is far better than anything just mentioned here. The future is far better. 1 Corinthians 2.9 As it is written, I has not seen, nor the ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. And the question is here this morning, do you love him? And if you love Jesus Christ, the eye has not seen, nor the ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. We can't even get our mind around it. It's going to be, get your calculator out, a hundred times, a million times better than we'd ever imagine. Because Jesus Christ is there. Because there is no sin. And because it is a place with no suffering, no pain. Perfect peace. Perfect peace. But the future is only bright. The future is only bright if you're a Christian. I would be lying to you this morning if I said to you the future is bright for every human being. It's not. The future is dark if you're not in Christ. If you're not trusting in Jesus Christ. 
If you're not trusting in Jesus Christ and coming to church, the future is even darker because you've heard the gospel over and over again. And you will be held accountable with the knowledge you have been given. The future is bright if you're following God's wisdom. The future is bright for salvation, for comfort, for support. God's wisdom blesses those who follow him. We may suffer in this world. Actually, we will suffer in this world. Tremendously. We may not suffer as much as Job. But we will suffer. But think of Jesus. who suffered far more than this. Sinless, meek, humble. Without spot, without wrinkle. Perfect in every way. He suffered. Think about this. Think of the love that Jesus showed for you, dear Christian. In dying for you. In rescuing you. And when he rescued you, he didn't just leave you where they were. He washed you. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? He washed you in his blood. And he clothed you with his own clothes. His own royal robes of righteousness. And because you're so clothed, you can come because of Jesus before the throne of grace. And the Lord, the King of Kings, will delightfully embrace you and bring you. When you leave this earth, you will enjoy the pleasures of the Lord forever and ever. Amen.